You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello. I am Matt Williamson, former NFL and college scout. I was at ESPN for 10 years. I've been talking to you guys ever since. And you have reached the Locked On NFL podcast. And the draft is in the books. And instead of just giving it a huge overview of the draft, I thought I'd dig into the nitty-gritty a little bit here going forward. And I want to go division by division and give you, you know, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, something like that, on each division, my thoughts on what happened over the weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And we are going to start with the one closest to home for me, AFC North. On Wednesday, Mark Schofield will be here. He's the host of Locked on Patriots. We'll do AFC East with him. Um, I'll probably find some guests in between some of the Locked On hosts to talk about their teams. Of course, we'll probably do that quite a bit after um, I knock out these eight divisions. But let's dig right in. We're brought to you by ZipRecruiter, by the way. I'll tell you more about them here in a moment. Um, The Baltimore Ravens. A couple themes here for them. Well, I would say the number one theme for them is offensive speed. You know, that... Marquise Brown's probably the fastest player in the draft, and Lamar is obviously a superstar in terms of big playability from the quarterback position from a speed perspective. Boykin also is a much different receiver than Brown, but speed. Justice Hill, the running back, excellent speed player, big playability. And it brings me to this offense, and we've talked about this a lot, and... It's an interesting case study. I mean, frankly, I would not want to be the GM in charge of building an offense around Lamar Jackson right now. Um, I've mentioned this many times. You're not going to attract free agent wide receivers. You know, they have a ton of tight ends. They brought in Mark Ingram. I mean, they're going to run the ball a high percentage of the time, maybe a very high percentage of the time, maybe a smaller percentage than we saw, you know, Lamar's starting stint. But he was... He had more rushing attempts than any quarterback in the history of this league and was only a starter for half the year. <laughs> you know, I mean, so those are pretty telling situations. All that being said, if he doesn't develop more as a passer, he's not going to be a success. But in the meantime, they're building to win and they're building with the people around them. And that starts with Marquise Brown. And I love that pick. I mean, you guys probably listened to the, the Friday show. I went through all the first rounders. And just his ability to stretch the field and to keep defensive boxes a little more honest, I think, has extreme value. And he's not just Ted Ginn. He's not just a super, you know, super fast guy that runs straight line down the field. He can beat you up with a variety of routes and shorter stuff. And after the catch, I think he's a great young player. We'll see if Jackson can get him the ball consistently. But his the threat that he presents is phenomenal for what else they're trying to accomplish here. I'm going to skip over the second rounder for a minute and get to Boykin, who you guys know I do a lot of fantasy dynasty stuff, and I host the Dynasty Blueprint with Ryan McDowell. Boykin was one of my favorite prospects, and you know, part of me is crushed because he goes to a situation where he probably is not going to get a lot of targets. You know, like, you guys know I'm t- tied in with the Steelers, and... I want a boy to be a Steeler. You know, like I would have loved to seen him in Indy or you know, many. I'm very, very high on the prospect. And for them to get him at 93, and not only does he keep that speed theme along with Brown, but 
night and day. I mean, those two walk in the room, they're like, they're not both wide receivers. I mean, he is a big dude with great measurables, and there's some really good film on him, too. So this is my favorite pick in the draft for them. I worry that he won't be, that the numbers won't result, won't back up my thoughts on the player because of the situation. But, you know, you pick him up at 93, wow. I think that could really pay off for the Ravens. I just don't know that it'll pay off for, you know, Boykin's fantasy numbers. But that's not what we're doing here. Justice Hill at 113. I mentioned, you know, big play guy, fast, um, different style back for sure than what they had. And this certainly doesn't reflect well for Kenneth Dixon, you know, Ingram, uh, Edwards. I might even be on the outs. My concern with Hill going into this process was really poor in protection. And a lot of times you guys out there listening have a back you love comes into the league. Boy, this coaching staff's so dumb. Why don't they put him out there? Most of the time it's because he can't protect and they don't trust him. That's gigantic. But not if you don't throw the ball. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, It's still gigantic, but for this team, for the Ravens, it's less so. I mean, if your passing percentage is a lot lower than the average bear, then I guess it makes a lot of sense because he's a heck of a lot different than the running backs they have as are Boykin and Brown are different from one another and very different from the receivers they had. So I guess that adds up. I mean, so the, the, the worries are a little less in this situation, and he can obviously improve in that, in that regard. Jalen Ferguson was their second pick at 85 overall in the third round. Productive, you know, very, ridiculously productive. Beat Suggs' record, now replaces Suggs. They needed an immediate fix there. At this point, I can't be too critical, but I am kind of a believer where that, that his terrible three-cone drill matched his film, in that, and he isn't a great bender or athlete or change-of-direction player. So I don't think he has a real high upside, but I do think he helps quickly. They also added on defense Inman Marshall, another corner to add to the mix. Um, depth, basically, and, you know... Free They're pretty deep there now already, but free agency could hurt them down the road there. And Daylon Mack, I like a lot in the fifth round, 160 pounds, another big-bodied Ravens-type defensive tackle. They also added Ben Powers, offensive lineman out of Oklahoma. They need the offensive line help for sure. And Trace McSorley is a really interesting pick in the sixth round. And I want to just harp on that a little. Athletic quarterback, overachiever, was asked to play some safety at the Senior Bowl and Combine, refused, and I understand why he would. But I've been kind of thinking, and I am probably have mentioned this to you guys at some point, with Lamar Jackson as your one and the beating he's going to take, is it a good idea to every year grab one of these type of Trace McSorley, Taysom Hill types in the, in the late rounds? and use them as insurance, but they got to do more, you know, like they got to run down on kickoffs, they got to return, they got to help you in other ways, maybe a trick play here and there. I can see the philosophy of continuing to bring these athletic, tough quarterbacks into the mix and just see what happens as depth or if Lamar gets hurt for a game or something along those lines. So that makes sense to me, and, it's an, and again, it's an interesting team-building process going on here without a doubt. One thing of note, and this will bring me to the Steelers pick, too, with Bush. 
they didn't get an inside linebacker. I, I kind of thought they would. The two guys they have are fine, but losing Mosley, I thought they would be more in the market for an inside linebacker. So if there's a, you know, at some point, I'm sure this this offseason, I'll be writing something about the, what else needs to be done if you can find a veteran or something. I would say inside linebacker would be that for Baltimore. Uh, all in all, pretty solid draft, though. Um, I had mentioned we are brought to you by ZipRecruiter. And I told you about them on Thursday. I've told you about them before. And I always think about what ZipRecruiter is. Man, when I was sitting there watching highlights of high school kids day after day, you know, countless VHS tapes on my desk, just going through one after another, how awesome would it have been to have some sort of semblance of a service that was even 50% as good as ZipRecruiter that could just could have even eliminated the 50% of kids that, frankly, I didn't need to see, you know, that it were a waste of time. You put them in there, you watch one game, and you're like, no. You know, all the, if I could just take all the no's out of the equation and left me with a pile of maybes and yeses, that would have saved me so much time. And in a way, that's what ZipRecruiter does. So I need you to go to ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on, all one word, all lowercase, ZipRecruiter sends your jobs to over 100 of the web's best leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of their employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Let me let me just say that again. 80% of the employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. It's pretty amazing. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web, web address, ziprecruiter.com slash locked on. That's ziprecruiter.com slash locked on. Locked on. ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. So, here we go around the division some more in the Bengals. I believe, no one's told me this, but I think the Bengals probably would have taken Bush at 11. The Steelers swiped into 10. But as I mentioned Thursday, Cincinnati should be very, very happy with Jonah Williams. And maybe they even preferred him. I mean, I don't know. But he is exactly what they need. Lead off double off the wall. You'll hear me say that a lot. Versatile. I mean, he's an upgraded right tackle. Might be the future left tackle. Maybe he plugs in a guard in the meantime. Maybe he's a tenure center, whatever. And we know that that Rams staff comes over and stressed offensive line play a lot. And sort of like Goff, Andy Dalton is much better early in the down than late. And when things start to crumble around him, isn't at his best. So they know they need to protect him. So I love this pick. The second rounder, Drew Sample at 52, helps in that regard too, a tight end from Washington. But this is just too early for me. I mean, he's one of the best run blockers or overall blockers in this class at the tight end position who can still help on, you know, as a receiver. He's not just a tackle. I just think 52 and a second round pick is early for that. You know, we saw the Rams that they didn't feature the tight end all that much. And I do think this is an extension of their O line. 
but he is a capable receiver. It just seems early to me. I mean, I understand the attraction. The receivers, I think, are pretty decent in, in Cincy. I think A.J. Green's set up for a big year. I think Tyler Boyd's going to be Cooper Cup for them. And they didn't really have this type of tight end on board. And, you know, Eifert's hard to count on, that's for sure. Just seems early. I mentioned that they would be in the market for a linebacker. Uh, Jermaine Pratt was their pick at 72. Former safety, but doesn't really cover. You know, people make that assumption that, boy, he was a former safety. He must be a great cover guy. Not yet. You know, more of a downhill, longer body type. But developmental player. Um, huge need position. So this makes perfect sense. And I think the value's fine there, too. Ryan Finley at 104. If the Bengals' year goes south, could Finley be the four games in December starter? And we go, ooh, that's not too bad. You know, I can see this working out really well. I mean, if I had to make a favorite pick for the, for the Bengals, it would be here. Uh, I thought he'd go in the top 50 or so. Um, I think he fits the Goff-Dalton mold. I mean, that sounds like a knock on Goff, who was the first overall pick. But the way that they used him with the Rams, cerebral, ball distributor, there's a lot around him. So I like this a lot. Um, then they take Wren, defensive lineman from Arizona State, who's a little bit different than the defensive lineman they have. They seem to have nose tackles and three techniques. And I think Wren's certainly closer to the three technique mold but he's a taller, longer guy than what they've used there lately. Good athlete. So I like this pick a lot. That was kind of an underrated need at defensive tackle for the Bengals. Michael Jordan, they keep in state. Guard. Why does mom name him Michael? Um, again, I'm fine with a fourth, later fourth-round pick here for Jordan. He has some upside. Guard's a huge need. Makes a lot of sense. Um, they added another linebacker to Sean Davis in the sixth round. Jordan Brown was their last pick in the seventh. But their two other six-round picks were Travian Williams and Rodney Anderson. Two different style running backs. Williams is a little smaller. Anderson's really a do-it-all guy, but it's been injuries that have derailed him. I mean, he would have been maybe a second-round pick if he was a clean prospect. Um, Williams is much more productive, not very powerful. Both can help in the passing game. And my take on this are two things. There's I could see them... The Bengals going, wow, I'm shocked both these guys are there in the sixth. We filled most of our other needs. Let's take one. And then, then you know, uh, 20 picks later rolls around and Anderson's there too. Let's pick him. You know, maybe he redshirts this year while he gets healthy. But I don't take this as a knock on Joe Mixon in any way. But I got to think Gio Bernard's not long for the Bengals. Um, fine. You know, that makes sense. Um, let's go to the Brownies. They're, they don't have as much to talk about. Though they obviously traded a lot for Odell. And then they traded up for Greedy Williams at 46. Um, didn't expect him to fall this much, as no one did. But he's a goes with Odell and Landry, the LSU guys, to kind of keep him on the straight and narrow. And um, this is a high, high upside selection. More man coverage, for sure, I would think, is in the cards. And he's a very different type of player than Danzel Ward. They're both very man-capable, but Ward is who you hook up against Odell or Antonio Brown, where Greedy's much longer, and maybe he's on A.J. Green. So that combination is very talented, versatile, but man-heavy. I like that a lot. I mean, 
uh, you don't have a lot to lose. I mean, there might be more reasons than Greedy fell than we know. But I think the situation's a pretty solid one for him in, in terms of scheme. And at least there's a support system there. They took linebackers at 80 and 155. Tukataki from BYU and Mac Wilson falls all the way to the fifth round from Alabama. Um, a lot of people listed, you know, I think Tukataki's a lot more like a Schobert where Wilson's more of an off the ball, but there's a lot of talent there. I, I was shocked he fell all the way to the fifth, but there's a lot of inconsistent tape with Wilson. I think both these guys are certainly worth the risk. Obvious special teams contributors now. Speaking of special teams, they took a kicker in the fifth round, too. And Sheldrick Redwine from Miami of Florida, of course, is going to contribute on special teams immediately, too. He was their fourth-round pick. Uh, they lost Peppers. They brought in Burnett. But you got that's a, obviously a big loss from the age perspective. And Redwine's a guy that they could develop. I think that's a good pick there, too. Um, not a whole lot else to report from the Brownies. They ended up with Forbes, a tackle from Southeast Missouri State, and Donnie Lewis, a corner from Tulane, to wrap their to wrap it up. So we will be back here in just a moment, and I will tell you about my Steelers and what I think about them. All right, we are back to talk about the Steelers, and I was on the air for about 15 hours. I was in the facility probably about 25 hours over the draft. Great stuff. Got to sit down with Devin Bush. Very impressive young man. And they gave up a lot to move up. But we talked about this mostly on Friday. It's exactly what they need. Do-it-all guy. Really good blitzer is a big deal here, too. Great in coverage. Speed in the middle of the field. I mean, this is going to be known as the Devin Bush draft, you know, for better or worse. You trade up in the first round, 10 picks. Um, yes, you had a lot more draft capital. And you made quite a few other picks, and we'll get into those. But Bush is exactly what they needed. It implies to me that they very much think that they're you know, absolutely a contender in Pittsburgh. And you got to think, too, and I mentioned this Friday, if you trade the 10 for this player, my hunch is he was probably the seventh best player overall on their board. And how often does Kevin Colbert get to draft a, a seventh, you know, a top 10 player on his board, let alone the sixth, seventh, eighth best guy overall on his board? So I think they're quite happy about it, and I can understand why. Um, some eyebrows went up with the 66 picks when Deontay Johnson was picked. And he's been a favorite of mine, but I thought he'd be a sleeper in the fifth or late fourth. There's no such thing as sleepers. I mean, there's no secrets. He's a very good route runner, and he's in the uh, Antonio Brown mold. I know that he's, you know, from Toledo and from the Mac, and he's the next AB. That's stupid. Don't say th such things. But he's an immediate returner. He has really good hands. Uh, he didn't test well. But when they interviewed him, he's like, I really didn't even practice the 40s. I don't know why you do that. But he ran a low four fives anyways. No one catches him on tape. Really good out of his breaks. Not particularly big. But I think he's the route runner type that they have a great history of developing, going back to Manny Sanders and people like that. Um, can go to play the slot, can play outside, immediate returner. Is going to fill a need, but isn't need to, needed to play right to second. So there's a lot of those guys here. There's a lot of high character, love football, special teamers, 
playing for tomorrow, more or less, with their picks outside of Bush. And that kind of goes true for Justin Lane, too. Receiver turned corner, really long, got to meet him, was impressed all of his length and his arms, and he's going to cover a lot of ground just with that. Work in progress, especially with his feet, his transition. Um, immediately I thought he was kind of a greedy Williams press man coverage guy, but he might be more Richard Sherman off the ball cover three type good ball skills, but not a lot of interceptions. He'll take a little time, but there's a lot of upside there. And frankly, I was shocked that he was there at 83. I had mixed feelings when the Steelers took Benny Snell at the fourth round. The more I looked into him, the more I liked him because he was underused as a, as a receiver. He's never going to be a great receiver, and I thought if they took a back, it should be someone with great receiving skills. He's more of a Connor-like receiver. I've heard him, Benny Snell, compared to Carlos Hyde, who you guys have listened to. I've always said is an underrated, underappreciated, adequate receiver. Um, but this kid runs hard. I mean, he, if this was, you know, 1990, I think he'd have been a second-round pick. I mean, he is a yards-after-carry type of guy, yards-after-contact type of guy in a big way, really plays hard. So that makes sense, and I think he'll take some, you know, he'll provide really good Connor insurance. Talk about a project, Zach Gentry from Michigan, who I really didn't know who he was when the Steelers picked him. He's a smidge over 6'8". Um... He's 265. He easily could be 275 in no time. But he's not a tight end that they're going to project to tackle. I mean, he's not Villanueva. He's much more of a finesse player. He's a, a space blocker. He's a good athlete. Amazing wingspan. Runs well. He looks like a redshirt candidate who could hit. I mean, if you put some pounds on him, bring him along. Uh, there's some upside there without question. Sutton Smith, he's listed as a defensive end from Northern Illinois. He'll be a 3-4 outside linebacker for the Steelers. And even in that regard, he may even be an inside guy. He's not real heavy. He doesn't look like Bud Dupree or Jason Gilden or any of those type of guys. Immediate special teams contributor. Has played off the ball. They'll start him in the outside linebacker room, go from there. Um, does bring some pass rush, but doesn't hold up well against the run would struggle on the line of scrimmage for 60 snaps against tackles and tight ends and pulling guards, but should be an immediate monster on special teams. And that's kind of true for Ulysses Gilbert too, their six round pick. Gilbert is more safety than he is inside linebacker where Sutton Smith is more outside linebacker than he is inside linebacker. But in the end, you got two versatile athletic guys can blitz, can cover, we'll see where they fit in. I think Gilbert will fit in as a, you know, a, a, I wouldn't want to say a Burnett, but a, an inside linebacker for sure. But with more versatility, that the, the strong safety type, where Sutton Smith will be blitzed a lot, and I think will eventually end up at inside linebacker. But there's some worry about both these guys' positional fits, Smith more than Gilbert. But there's athleticism that helps contribute to middle-of-the-field athletic ability that Bush obviously brings that was obviously lacking. Steers also released Bostic after the draft. Uh, it was kind of a failed experiment to pick up some uh, 
some much needed, some needed cap space there too. So I like the Gilbert and Smith's picks, but don't be surprised if they do very little their rookie year in terms of game days. I'm excited to watch them in the preseason though. Isaiah Bugs, I didn't love him, but I was shocked he was there with the 192nd pick. Productive at Bama. Got on the field, big-time recruit, uh, J.C. kid, more of an interior penetrator. Um, but as the Steelers' fifth or sixth lineman that you can develop a little bit, coming out of a big program, played a fair amount of snaps despite being consistently battling first-round picks for playing time, I think that's worth it. And the Steelers' D-line coach was the D-line coach at Bama two years ago, so there's an obvious connection there, recruited them, coached them. And then Derwin Gray is the Steelers' offensive line in the seventh rounder. He's a tackle at Maryland. Looks much more like a guard to me. There's a little bit of upside there. We'll see. Big, thick, upper body. Lower body's a little questionable in terms of movement and bend and those type of things. But we'll see. I mean, he they, they've developed linemen well here in Pittsburgh. So that is a wrap. Uh, I will be back tomorrow, maybe with a guest. I'm going to work on that, or I'll pick another division and I'll break it down as I did tonight, did today. All right, over and out. We will see you.